Welcome back to Season 2 of Radio Her, a weekly career podcast presented by the Women in Business Association at the University of Toronto Scarborough. Hello, my name is Freni and I'm a fourth year student majoring in health studies and double minoring in psychology and economics at UTSC. I am the co-president of the Women in Business Association and a co-host of our podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Namisha Fernandez, and I'm a second year student in the Co-op Management and Finance Program at UTSC. I'm also the Director of Corporate Relations for the Women in Business Association and the co-host of this episode. Joining us today is Kate Robertson. Kate graduated with a Bachelor of Arts Honours in Health Studies and a Certificate of Business from Queen's University. Kate is currently working at RBC as a Business Analyst and Project Coordinator. Her previous roles at RBC include Process Analyst and Business Analyst Co-op in the Transformation and Strategic Initiatives Department. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are excited to have you as our guest for Season 2 of Radio Her. Awesome. Thank you so much for the warm welcome, Amisha and Franny. I'm excited to be here with you today and look forward to the conversation. Thank you. Same here. Um, So, Kate, before we dive into this episode, we wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself as well. So what is one word you would use to describe yourself and why? Hmm, Okay, that's such a good question and a hard one to just pick one word, but I'm going to go with the word attentive. So I chose this word because it encompasses a few different areas about me. So firstly, I'm attentive to myself. I value my emotional intelligence and I understand my value in a room by knowing where my strengths as well as what I need to work on are. Secondly, I'm attentive to others. I love to support and help other people, explaining why I I really thrive and enjoy being in leadership positions. And lastly, I I chose the word attentive because it speaks to my attention to detail, whether that be putting together a PowerPoint presentation or by building out future strategy that achieves our goals and targets. It, It really is the word that I guess I would use to sum myself up quite well, both personally and professionally. Thank you. Um, Let's get started on some of the questions we have for you. So this first set of questions are surrounded around your underground experience. So first off, what made you decide to pursue a certificate in business alongside an honors Bachelor of Arts in Health Studies? Has this broadened your career options? Absolutely. So I guess if I'm thinking back to why I actually pursued this, I I have to think back to high school, which I mean, wasn't too long ago. So um, I really loved business and I always have. And I, I started this love for for business and different kinds of business when I participated in DECA. Have either of you heard of DECA before? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, in case anyone, I guess, hasn't heard of what DECA is, it's an international business case competition. So I did start with DECA back in grade nine, and I absolutely loved it. I competed all four years and ended up competing at the international competition in my grade 12 year. As I mentioned before, I always knew this was something that I I really wanted to learn more about and get involved with in some capacity. But then there was this other side of me where I loved helping people and I I really wanted to do something in my life that would help other people and, and make an impact on the world. So I, I really took an interest in psychology and volunteering in the community and making impactful change 
And when I was looking at university and what programs I wanted to go into, I really wanted to make sure that I was in a program that I could figure out what that career opportunity would look like to me. Because honestly, in high school, I had no idea that I would be working at RBC today. So I ended up choosing Queen's University and I went into my first year of a general arts program and I loved the health classes that I was taking. The health studies program was geared towards understanding health holistically and I took a specific focus in community health and program implementation in vulnerable communities. And then in my second year, I applied to be a part of the certificate in business program. This program was additional to my degree, um, but it really gives you that preliminary business understanding. So the it was it was based around a first year business courses. So organizational behavior, finance, marketing, accounting, uh, and a few others. Um, but this interest this really interested me because when I was going to school, so many so many people would question my interest of health and business and like those are so so opposite why would you be taking them together but in my mind business is really a part of anything no matter what you do no matter where you're going business skills come into play whether that even just be making a budget um and really to answer the second part of your question I do think that taking a bachelor's of health studies and certificate in business has helped me to broaden my career options. Although I don't think that it is the reason that I'm in my role today. I truly believe the way that you tell your story. I wasn't hired because I had this degree. I was hired because they were looking for someone who was willing to learn, who was a self-starter, who was willing to think outside the box. And in order to communicate, I took my experiences, my degree, extracurriculars, part-time jobs, and I, I showed how in those roles, despite the discipline that they would have been in, I was a good fit for the role that I was applying to. Yeah, no, honestly, that's great to hear. And I love how you said DECA too, because I remember for me, I did DECA in high school. And like, that was definitely one of the reasons why I like really enjoyed business. I think like the case studies, even wearing like a blazer and like some business pants, just I guess getting into like the businessy world, like the fit really just like made me like business more. And I love how you have a bit of science and a bit of business, you know, it's like the best of both worlds. So as you said before, like business is a part of everything and anything. And so I think it definitely opened up more pathways for you. And as you said, being yourself and having the willingness to learn is so, so important because I think that like if companies see you having the willingness to learn, like you can take on any challenge because you have that openness um, and willingness. So that's amazing. And on to the next question. So from all the experience that you've gained from your past opportunities, do you have any advice for students on deciding a career path, especially for those who may not know what they want to do? Wow, this really speaks to me, I feel. Um, (laughs) My biggest piece of career advice, and even when you don't know what you want to do, you know what? I still don't know what I want to do. So the first piece of career advice that I would say is you don't have to know. So think about the skills that you have. Think about the skills you want to develop. Find a role that will allow you to grow and learn new things. I used to think that after university, I would look for a job and I would stay in that job my entire life. Now that I think back on it, that's a lot of pressure to put on a 20-year-old. So for some people, I think that they find the role that they want and they stick with it, which is amazing. But let me tell you, I'm not one of those people. Each role that I have has taught me different things, things I like, things that I don't like. And I don't want my career to be linear. I want my career to have twists and turns, to take on new challenges, and most importantly, to ensure that I 
enjoy what I do every single day. Yeah, I think that's amazing what you said. And I love how you said that you should find a role that will allow you to grow. Because I think for co-op students, it can be hard to figure out what field to go into in business because business is so broad. There are so many different specializations, so many different pathways that you can take. And so finding a role that will allow you to grow and use the skill set that you already have, I think is super important. And so I guess students can take that advice and say, like, if they want to go into marketing, for example, you don't have to, of course, limit yourself to just marketing. Try to find a place where you can grow and learn because as you said before you can't really stay in one place for all your life you know you're always growing and you're always um, advancing in your career so that's amazing and moving on to the last question in this section you were actively involved in your school community as the co-president of the queen's concussion awareness committee as a bartender at queen's pub and the underground have these experiences helped you in your career and how can students make the most of their undergrad That's a great question. I think everyone's undergrad experiences are different. I personally am someone who naturally loves to get involved and volunteer, but I also know that not everyone's like that. So when I think about how these experiences helped me in my career, they absolutely have because I learned leadership skills, managing a team, time management, event planning, and so much more. Although working at the Queen's Pub and running Queen's Concussion Awareness Committee were things I was interested in. So I really think that learning is making the most of your undergrad. Of course, I mean learning in classes, but really learning about yourself, learning about what you like, what you dislike, who you like, who you dislike, and figuring out who you are, not who your parents want you to be, not who your profs want you to be, not who your friends want you to be, but who you truly want to be. And speaking from more of a career post-graduation sense, your education is not the only thing employers are looking at anymore. So get involved in whatever you want, however that may be, whether that may be hosting a podcast for women in business or attending some hackathons. Those additions to your degree stand out and they absolutely do not go unnoticed on a resume. Yeah, I love how you said the podcast, being the co-host of the podcast. I'm definitely putting that on my resume. Don't you worry, but... I totally agree. Like the skills that you gain from volunteering, like it doesn't go unnoticed, like you said. And I think that it kind of makes you differ from the other applicants that are also applying. And don't get me wrong, of course, the technical skills are just as important because, of course, that is useful. But I think that, like like you said, like leadership skills, time management, those are all equally important things that are versatile in various situations and in various job postings. So I think you can have fun and gain experience at the same time. And I think you definitely did that in your undergrad experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's honestly like four years, you don't want to be stuck behind a computer your those whole four years. And employers aren't looking for people who just sat behind a computer their entire four years. So a huge part of my undergrad was figuring out who I was and what I wanted to do and what I was interested in, because I definitely am not interested in the same things that I was in high school. will now be moving on to the second part of questions which are based around your journey at RBC. So you started working at RBC as a business analyst co-op student in transformation and strategic initiatives. So how was it like stepping into the corporate world for the first time? Stepping into the corporate world for the first time. It was fun and exciting. Although, you know, I wasn't just stepping into the corporate world for the first time. I was actually stepping into the corporate world for the first time at the beginning of a global pandemic. 
So let me take a step back here. I wasn't actually in a co-op program. I went to RBC during the summer of my fourth year, so in May of 2020. And prior to that, I worked in teaching swimming, working as a waitress, and working at multiple different retail stores. I'd never stepped foot into this sort of workplace. So really, (laughs) stepping foot into the corporate world, I was so nervous. I had no idea what the day would look like, how to properly even communicate through email, sending meeting invitations. Like that was so outside of my comfort zone. But when I did start um, in May of 2020, I was now not only nervous to work in the corporate world, but I was also nervous to work completely remotely. So on my first day, I logged onto my computer and, you know, it wouldn't be a first day without some tech issues. But a few tries later, I was on a call with my co-op manager and we talked for like three hours. He told me all about what he does, what I would be doing, how to set up my email, the different systems we would use. And yeah, at first it was a lot. But I had people booking me for meetings, introducing themselves. And even though at that moment, I knew nothing and I was starting from square one, I knew that I'd quickly catch on and that that I had people around me to ask questions to and that all of my team members were there to support me. So I felt really great after that first day and and had a great co-op term. First of all, um, you know, like I would say like great thing you did that being so resilient when starting your first ta- first job during um, the pandemic. And I know that um, when you first join work, it can be challenging with all the tech issues, getting used to everything, then, uh, you know, just getting into that flow of working and getting used to your roles and responsibilities. But I definitely agree with what you said, is that when students enter the corporate world the first time, the people that you're working with, they are willing to help support you and answer any questions that you may have. So students should definitely take advantage of that supportive environment and don't be afraid to ask questions because it's their chance to grow and develop. Absolutely. And honestly, I have a co-op student right now and I try to do that exact same thing and really just make sure that I'm fostering an environment where they feel comfortable to ask those questions. And no matter what your background is, there's still so much to learn and there's so much to understand and you're really taking in a whole new atmosphere. So of course it can be overwhelming at first, but it's absolutely worth it to ask those questions and to really indulge and and be curious and, and figure out how you are going to make an impact where you are and and during those short four months or eight months or however long your co-op term is. 100%. My next question here is, How did you leverage your co-op experience to continue working at RBC? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I had my first co-op at RBC in the summer of my fourth year. So with my certificate in business, I sold a few more classes to complete, which made me eligible for the co-op role. But I was only supposed to be in that co-op for the summer. I then was asked to actually stay on for the fall. So I continued to work and then also took classes to graduate in December of 2020, right as I finished my uh, second co-op term. Now, Throughout my work, I knew that I was really, really enjoying what I was doing. I was enjoying the culture. And the first step that I took was really making it known to my manager and people around me 
that I was looking to get hired or I was looking to come on for another co-op. No one's a mind reader in the workforce. Like they don't know, like making it known and being able to really communicate that is absolutely the first step. Then the next step that I took is really working on my storytelling. So I listed out all the initiatives that I'd worked on and pulled out my contributions to those initiatives and what results were driven from my impact on those initiatives. So I worked on this project and this is the result that it drove or how I worked on the project so that I could understand where my impact was and I could explain that to other people. And that really is linked to the next step that I took, which was adjusting the way that I network. I wasn't just networking to meet people and understand what they did now. I was networking with the purpose that I wanted a full-time role. I wanted to understand if their area would be a good fit for my skills or if they knew an area that would be. I could um, talk about the transition from co-op to to full-time for so much longer, Um, but those three steps, communicating where I want to go, outlining what I have done, and changing the way that I networked are a few of the steps that I took. Thank you for sharing. I'm sure this would be helpful for a lot of our listeners, and I definitely agree. Um, no one's going to know how they can best help you in lesson until you let them know. So if, you know, you're enjoying what you're currently doing and want to continue, like make sure that you're letting people around you know that so that they can better support you and help you grow. Thank you. And so now you're currently a business analyst and project coordinator. So can you tell us a little bit more about what some of your day-to-day responsibilities are and what does the word culture look like? Absolutely. So I work on what's called the Transformation and Strategic Initiatives team. And now I can really only speak to my experience on this team. And I know throughout the bank, there are a ton of business analyst roles that do so many different things. But specifically what I do is I work to expand RBC's presence in Halifax by building relationships with academic and industry partners. I run events for prospective talent in the Atlantic region and continuously working with the team to ensure that what we are doing is aligned to our strategy and goals for the next five years. Now, in terms of day-to-day responsibilities, every day is honestly kind of different. Uh, We're a project-based team, so we are constantly working on different projects with different people. And that's actually a big part of what I love about my job, the collaboration aspect. The collaboration that piece that I just mentioned really speaks to the work culture as well. The team that I work on is so collaborative. We support one another. As employees, we are encouraged to constantly grow and develop, and there are multiple opportunities to do so, whether that be within my own team, taking a course, um, or creating my own way of learning. I've felt like the work culture encourages my creativity and allows for me to thoroughly enjoy what I do. Thank you. That sounds like an exciting role to be in and a fun work environment. My next question is, what are some skills, abilities, and personal attributes that you think are essential in your role and overall in the corporate world? So I do think that this varies team by team and also by the work that they're doing, but I will highlight three key skills and abilities that are essential to my role. So firstly, I'm going to call it organization. Being organized, managing your time, and projects are so key. There are so many emails, meetings, timelines that need to be kept track of, and it can become a lot. So really having strong organizational skills and understanding prioritization is absolutely necessary in this role. Secondly, I'm going to say initiative. 
Now, this is something that I don't know if I would have mentioned before my current role that I'm in. I, I really think that this is extremely, extremely crucial, and especially in a virtual environment. Being able to take something away, try it out, booking a meeting in advance, taking initiative, going that extra step is extremely necessary. And no one's going to hold your hand and, and walk you through it every step of the way. Ask the questions that you need to know and really being confident in your abilities and, and taking that taking that with you is, is absolutely necessary for this role. And then I guess the third thing I would say, and this is absolutely not least by any means, and might even be the most important is communication. Effectively communicating is not only speaking, but knowing how to adjust what you are trying to communicate to your audience so that they'll best understand. It's not only sending out an email, but it's writing an email with purpose, ensuring that what you are thinking is translated into the written words that then can be read by someone else and they can comprehend exactly what you were thinking. So these three skills, I would actually not even say are just essential for my role, but they're really important for any role. Definitely agree. And thank you for sharing that. I think that our listeners can actually start developing those skills from early on by getting involved with uh, student groups and clubs on campus, as well as, you know, through their work study positions or even co-op and internships. So thank you so much. Those insights are really helpful. And then my next question here is that you mentioned that you started working during the pandemic and, you know, a lot of the students, when they're transitioning into the workplace, they may struggle with getting comfortable with their coworkers. So what advice do you have for students on networking and forming meaningful relationships at work? Mm -hmm. And this is so, so important. It can be really hard to network and find common connections, especially if you haven't networked before. And even more, especially if you're in a virtual environment, as we all are right now. Um, so networking is like a muscle. The more that you do it, the better that you get at it and the easier that it becomes. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my networking journey and how I built up that muscle. So when I started as a co-op, I had never networked before. But I knew that working in a virtual environment, and if I was going to get to know anyone on my team or at the bank, I had to network. So I started off by setting a goal for myself. I said, I'm going to have a coffee chat with every person on my team and at least one person from every line of business. So I booked my first coffee chat. I prepared around 20 questions um, and I was ready to go. And then I got on the call and for the full 30 minutes, I basically interviewed him. I honestly don't even know if I introduced myself. After the call, I thought, is this what networking is? <laughs> I definitely learned a lot about them, but they left the call knowing nothing about me. I had a few more coffee chats that week and the same thing was happening. I knew that I had to change my approach. So I researched a few networking tips. I developed my coffee chat outline, as I like to call it. I have a section at the top where I write out who I'm meeting with, their area of expertise, and any notes about them from their uh, Connect website, which is an internal RBC uh, website, or LinkedIn. Then I had my personal pitch. This included who I was, the team I'm working on, my education skills, and I always ended off with my passion. This allowed for the other person to comment on either some of my passions or talk about any of the work 
and commonalities that we may have. I would also list out a few questions that I wanted to ask, but the main question I'd always ask is what problems is your team working to solve? For each person I was meeting with, I would adjust my outline to shape the conversation I wanted to have with them. Once I changed my approach to networking, I found that I was able to connect and work on building relationships instead of just having an interaction with them. Some of the relationships that I worked on to develop grew into these mentor-mentee relationships. And this takes me really to the next phase of, of my journey, which was finding a mentor. Having a mentor allowed me to have a sounding board for my thoughts and worries, to guide me as I accomplished the my goals and to believe in me when I was stuck. Many of the people who I've met with, especially in other areas of the bank, have been through who my mentors have connected me with. So it's really important to to really have those mentors and, and they really communicated or connected me with so many other people, which allowed me to completely expand my networking. Um, so finally, I could see myself progressing to reach my goal learning from my mistakes and working with a mentor. I grew more confident in being my authentic self and I started to look at every interaction as an opportunity to build my personal brand. Now, if I was meeting with someone new, I would take the time to introduce myself. I made sure that I was asking questions or adding to the conversation and I took advantage of all the resources that are out there. If I was in a meeting with someone who was interested or worked in an area I wanted to learn more about, I would book a coffee chat with them. Now, I'm not by any means a pro networker or anything like that. Some conversations go better than others. It depends on the day. But finding a few best practices that helps me become more confident and feel more comfortable has, has really helped me with my networking journey and where I am today in it. Thank you for sharing your personal story. I think that there are two things that I actually learned from it. The first one is that interview is actually a two-way process. So it's not about it's not about that one person is giving and the other is taking. It's a give and take process where you know you're getting to know each other, getting to know what each other's interests are and seeing how two people can best support each other. And then the other important thing that you mentioned is learning how to develop your personal brand. It's becoming more and more important, especially these days. So really taking the time to reflect about what you want to do, what your passions are, where do you see yourself in the next two, three years and what your skills are and being able to tell your story well will actually take you a long way. Absolutely. And you really hit the nail on the head there. It will take you a long way. I think in this environment, while we network and connect and meet other people, and especially for students going into the workforce in this day and age, it, it's about telling who you are and sharing how you are a valued member and how you would be a value add for their team or for their role or for that job. And it's just figuring out the way that you want to present yourself and what how you want to say that. It can be difficult and I guess kind of even like taunting at first, um, but continuously develop the way that you want to adjust your story and it, it makes a huge difference and can go a long way. Yeah, exactly. And I like how you mentioned that continuously develop because when starting at first, not all of us are such great uh, networking, but it's a process where, you know, you learn from your mistakes and you learn from your experiences and continue to become better at it. 
And just to wrap up the section on your journey at RBC, I wanted to ask you, what has been your proudest accomplishment at RBC? Hmm. You know, that's a great question. I think I would have to say that my proudest moment at RBC was actually in my co-op role when I took an interest in learning about different workplace methodologies. And then I ended up actually trying out this animated video software where I developed um, an animated video that explained three different methodologies. So it explained agile, design thinking, and Lean Six Sigma. I ended up presenting this video to my team. And from there, I worked with the student program and it turned into me developing a workshop for other co-op students surrounding these methodologies and the video that I had created. And, you know, I'm really proud of myself for that because I took something that I knew little to nothing about and I created an opportunity where I was able to design a whole workshop and to teach and provide these lessons to other students. That's amazing. And that goes back to how you mentioned one of the skills that you mentioned is important is initiative taking. So you took the initiative to learn something that you know you weren't well aware of. And actually, in the process, you then helped even other co-op students as a co-op students learn more about those different uh, workplace methodologies and also gain knowledge on it. So congratulations for that. I think that you're a true example of, you know, how much co-op students can accomplish in the workplace. Absolutely. And honestly, it's about the what you make it, especially for co-op students or even just summer internships if you're not in a co-op program like I wasn't. But going to the corporate world and, and or to any job really and coming in as an intern or a co-op student make your mark. Like you're not just there for, for four months to, to do the work that they tell you to do, which of course you are, but you're there to learn and you're there to try new things and expand your knowledge and expand your skill sets. And I really, really believe that it is the best way to learn what you like, what you don't like, and really take away something from your co-op experience. Like if you have a co-op or a summer internship on your resume. Like I want to see that you you did this, you accomplished this, you drove this forward. Like really make make those opportunities for yourself because at first or sometimes they may not be presented, but get involved some some other way. Get involved in running a a team meeting or running a games day for somebody or for your team. Um, really figuring out how you can implement your skills and and you are valued as a co-op student or you are valued as in any role and you're there for a reason. So I definitely, definitely think that for anybody looking for a co-op role, like know that you are there for a reason and they hired you for a reason. Thank you. Moving on to the next part of questions that are based on personal development. So the first one here is, when do you feel the most empowered? You know, I was thinking about this one um, and I was thinking about empowering because we're, we're on like a women in business podcast, right? So I'm, of course, thinking about women in business and, and how as a woman am I like thinking about in my career and in my like very short career, by the way, it's been like a year and a half. Um, when did I really feel the most empowered? Because I enjoy what I'm doing 
but empowered is this other word. You feel like you can accomplish anything. And I feel the most empowered when I'm coaching or mentoring someone. A few of the mentees that I have are actually co-op students. And I'm, I'm actually just going to I tell a quick story, but one of my mentees wanted to come back for another co-op term. And since I had started talking with her, we built out a plan. This was really her main goal and what she wanted to accomplish. And I had coached her on a few of the things that had worked for me and some of the things that I've, I've said here today. Um, and last week she actually messaged me and she said that she was being offered a role in the team and I was so excited for her. And I think that's really why I, I feel the most empowered when I'm mentoring and coaching someone, because I was empowered by her success. I was so excited for her and I felt really great to have been by, by her side and see her achieve this goal. So it was really awesome. That's great. You know, um, you were at that same position um not long ago and you know being able to help and accelerate other people around you is definitely something to be very proud of thank you yeah it was great and then the next question i have here is who is one woman you look up to in a career or personal sense whether it be someone famous or someone you personally know you know this question i honestly don't even have to think about i would 100 percent say my mom in both a personal and career sense, my mom is probably the hardest worker. I, I know she was a single parent. She raised me into who I am today, all while working full time, building her career, and even completing a master's at the same time. It honestly sometimes blows my mind to think about how she did it all. Um, she was the one who always encouraged me to build what I call personal skills or human skills. So the, that organization, communication, collaboration, and so on. And she always said that it was the future and what employers were going to value in an employee. And in my career today and, and in the world that we are in today, I 100% know that that is exactly where the world is and is continuing to go. But when I was in high school and the tech industry was booming and the whole world was talking about automation and AI and how coding was the future, which I mean, they are absolutely not wrong. But if you can't communicate, you can't organize yourself, you can't get involved, you can't be personal, it lowers your appeal to employees. And I mean, again, I could go on and on about how much my mom has impacted me, but I know that we we don't have forever. So I'll pass it back to you, but I would 100% go with my mom. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. And then my last question here in this section is, according to you, how can women make their mark in the workplace? I think about this a lot because I have been a part of a few I Am Remarkable campaigns. So that's a campaign through Google. Have either of you heard of it? No? Okay, I see. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Don't unmute. We're good. Um, so it's actually a campaign through Google. And it's about celebrating diversity and diversity of thought, diversity in general, and really, especially with women, and making it known that it's uncomfortable for women to celebrate their wins, to, I guess, even stand up for themselves and celebrate the things that they really do well. And I think that that's how women can make their mark in the workplace is by acknowledging their value and promoting your wins, whether you are a co-op student, whether you're a business analyst, or whether you're the president of the company, you're valued, your thoughts are valued. And when you make an impact in the company or you finish a project, be proud of yourself. Don't just keep it to yourself, promote it. 
make it known because somebody else is doing that and you don't want it to just go by the sidelines. Like you are valued and you are making a difference. And when you make that impact, don't keep it quiet. Make sure that it's known. Thank you so much for sharing. That's a really helpful advice. And I I feel that, you know, when you're sharing your wins and accomplishments, it also empowers those around you that they can accomplish that as well, or they could, you know, reach the same level as well. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And honestly, like even uh, just one quick thing, like we had this group chat a little while ago where a bunch of women at the company, we made this group chat uh, through a, a networking session. And in the group chat, what we would do is we would send our wins. So if we did a great project or if we did something that we were really proud of, and sometimes you, you might not feel that you have people to share that with. And so making sure that we're supporting each other and that we are celebrating each other and the work that we're accomplishing because it feels good to be recognized. And it starts with you recognizing yourself and recognizing the people around you. That's actually amazing. You know, being able to create some supportive spaces in the workplace is really important to help uplift each other. Thank you so much. Moving on to a few of our last questions. So first question is, from all of your past roles and opportunities, what is the best piece of career advice you have received? Honestly, over the past few years, when someone says something that really stuck with me, I typically write it down and I keep it as a reminder and I have a little sticky that reminds me of different things that people have said that I'm like, oh, that's that's a great thing to remember. So I have two. So the first one that I want to mention is always assume positive intent. Now, I'm categorizing this as not only career advice, but also life advice. Um, And the people that you work with, whether that be on a school project or at home or in different relationships that you have, um, they're human and you never know what's going on in every aspect of their life. And although this is not an excuse for poor behavior by any means, The saying always assume positive intent is really talking about the way that you choose to perceive things. So for example, everyone communicates feedback differently. And sometimes it's not going to be a great job sandwich, as I like to call it, where they give you a positive comment, then some constructive criticism, and then another positive comment. There are times where you may feel hurt uh, or like you worked really hard on something and someone is just ripping it to shreds. Um, I've been there, so I definitely, definitely know how it feels, but in the end, you can't control what someone says or how someone's delivering feedback. All you can control is the way that you're responding to it. So the advice always assume positive intent has really helped me with that. Or when I feel like I'm taking things, um, and, or dwelling over, over something. Uh, the next piece of advice that I do really want to share And it's probably one of my biggest aha moments that I had as a co-op student is, well, I've heard so many times, it's about who you know. And, oh, it's about who you know. It's about who you know at different companies. It's about who's in your network and, and who you know. And yes, that's absolutely why networking is so important. But the real piece of advice here that I had not heard before until this one time somebody said it is that. It's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. And that's why I think building relationships and building your personal brand 
in your career is so important. There's a difference between what I was talking about um, when I was on my networking journey where I was just interviewing them and they didn't even know anything about me, but I knew them, of course, I had a meeting with them. Um, but really for somebody to know you, that's the way they can advocate for you. They can connect you with different people. They can speak on your behalf, behalf of the brand that you've created. Uh, as we've talked about, that's, that's so important. So that was a big piece of advice. It's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Honestly, I think that's definitely two pieces of great advice. Honestly, I never heard any of those advice. Like I haven't heard that advice before. So that's really, really amazing and unique. And I think that for anyone listening, as you said, like everyone is human and finding the positivity and the positive aspect in every kind of feedback or criticism. I think that's such good advice because sometimes I think people can get really bogged down with all the pressure and like putting yourself to such a high standard by knowing that even you're human too and that everyone's learning and everyone's growing at the same time is really, really encouraging to hear. And I love that second advice you said as well, that it's important on who knows you, you know, and it ties back to the way, what you said before about per, your personal branding story and kind of positioning yourself and knowing how to build meaningful connections and tell your story and learning how to convey that to others is so, so important. I think that it's really important, not for co-op students, but for everyone in general, just to know that, to know how to share your story and convey it to recruiters or even just in your network. Absolutely. And Namisha, I think you really hit the nail on the head there where like you're human too. And I was nervous before coming onto this podcast. Like it's natural to feel that way. And you don't have to always be a hundred percent. Like burnout is so high. Like the burnout rates in our society now is so high and really even in my career and, and just going back quickly to um, who I look up to most, my mom, she worked so hard. She was a single parent. She was involved in so many things. She was keeping up with her friends. She, But she also always made time for herself. She always made sure that she was exercising. She always made sure that she was having healthy meals. Like there was so many times where I was like, how does she fit this all in? Especially nowadays. I'm like, I don't even know if I have time to do anything. Like I'm so tired, but it's really, really, really important to make sure that you understand when to take a break from work or when to take a break from even applying to jobs or doing different activities or overwhelming yourself and taking that break and, and understanding that there's three pieces to the pie. And one piece is the work that you do. The other piece is like your network and building your network. And the other piece is self-care and making sure that you have a life of your own. I love that. Oh my gosh. Making time for yourself because as you said, burnout is, it's real. It is so real, whether that be for students or in the working world. I mean, I know for a student's perspective, burnout's real for sure. Um, and then the last question we have for you today is where do you see yourself in the next two to three years? I think this is a great question to kind of bring us back to the start. And one of those first questions I mentioned, I don't know what I want to do. And I think that's okay. I really actually try to own that, that I don't know what I want to do. And so when I think about myself in the next two to three years, it's not just like a clear slate. I have no idea what direction I want to go into, but I see myself in a leadership position with a collaborative team, a team that's really supportive and we're working together around me and we're solving problems through the execution of creative solutions. And last but absolutely not least, I 
always see myself enjoying the work that I do. So in the next two to three years, I hope to have a team that's working with me and that I'm leading and that we're really, we're working on solving problems and we're doing that through the enjoyment of creative solutions and execution of those creative solutions. So that's where I see myself. I don't see myself in a certain role or a certain area of expertise. I see myself generally in that leadership position that I mentioned. That's great to hear. I love how you're op- you're leaving all your options open, you know, and and Loba family wishes you the best in all your future plans and your future endeavors. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me. It was great chatting with you both. Thank you so much, Kay. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you find this episode and our podcast motivating and inspiring, feel free to share it with a friend or share it on your Instagram stories. This would be really helpful for us in getting more listeners. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media platforms, which are linked in the show notes below to stay updated on our upcoming episodes. See you next week on another episode of Radio Her. Thank you.